Hey everyone, Jay here. I just wanted to say that we've got some really cool artwork for this episode, so you're going to want to click through to the show notes to check out the full version of the image, which we'll be showing in your podcatcher right now. Our thanks go out to Yuri Keynes on Twitter for working with us to create this piece of art. Anyway, on with the show. <laughs> Squidge again. Jay's out with the shop, so I thought I might hijack the intro again. Why not? I'm power mad. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. In this part, we talk to Lulu again as our special guest. This is part three. As always, the show notes and all that social crap's down below. So, without further ado, this is part three with Lulu. to another episode of the waffling tailors podcast i am one of your hosts it's jay i guess that's my name um please wear it out i don't know then i could buy a new one <laughs> and with me <laughs> with me as always it's my wonderful absolutely amazing host squidgy say hello squidgy hello squidgy hang on hang, you're bigging me up what do you want what have you done nothing i still don't trust that just it'll be delivered tomorrow don't worry about it just be in okay sounds fake just no i'm not going to be in in protest good man right um uh that's all right you'll have to then go to the sorting office and pick it up anyway um and with us again is lulu hello lulu how are you i'm all right thank you very much yay I don't know whether you can tell, but we are recording this after E3. So the previous parts of this conversation, we recorded before E3. And for a bunch of reasons, we're recording this one after E3. I think it's going to work out really well, actually, because we're going to talk about perhaps um, some of the Final Fantasy VII Remake stuff that's come out after E3, which we, we kind of hinted at some of the things and we made some predictions and we got some things right and some things wrong. Um, it's an exercise of the listener to go figure out what it is that we got right and what it is we got wrong, write it down on a postcard, seal it in concrete, throw it in the ocean, saying it, but that's completely up to you whether you want to do that. I would have said Crambo. Well, yeah, you got to sing Crambo. Crambo kills la 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 that's a hard part right in there, and nephew. Crambo kill a lot of roll, flop a doodle yellow bug, two lot of diddy, cover off top bottom it. So what we're going to talk about today is, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the things that happened post-E3. Uh, we won't really cover the things we got right and the things we got wrong, but we do want to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. So if you're not really interested in that, then um, I guess skip this episode. But you should totally be interested in it because it's going to be a cornerstone of popular culture for a while. But yeah, I thought the first thing that we could talk about, if it's okay with everyone else, is that the Final Fantasy VII Remake has a release date. Woo! So much excited! That's it. So the trailer that I watched put the release date of the 3rd of March 2020. Yep. Which is a Tuesday. So that's good. So Tuesday, the 3rd of March 2020, which is really nice of Square Enix to release it a couple of days before my birthday. So that'll be a nice yep. Chris, uh, Christmas birthday present. So if anybody wants to buy me Final Fantasy VII for my birthday, totally please do. I would, but... Stop looking at me over the radio waves. <laughs> I totally would, dude, but I've just, like, pre-ordered the first class edition, which is, like, 280 quid. <laughs> so... <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to be off that day. 
Square Enix has this really nasty habit of releasing games on the same day that a patch drops on FF14. So I'm sat there going, (laughs) (laughs) so Square Enix, please, 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 please don't drop a patch that day because I really just want to dedicate my day to FF7. Thank all you need to do is get two screens and two sets of controllers you can play them both at the same time right i mean it's doable no i'll have to do what i usually do which is get up early play the patch then play my new game (laughs) (laughs) you see it's interesting what squidgy said to me right uh it's interesting to me sorry that what squidgy said which is i wonder how many people would be off that day or one of the things that i really wanted to do i can't really put a date on it but somewhere sometime during 2003 i had this idea of doing a and it sounds really nerdy, but doing a study. So like the in the UK, we have the Office of National Statistics and they statisize, is that the right word? They do statistics on everything. Anything that you can get statistics on in the UK, they do it, right? Anything mm. that you can go, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder if I should build a pie chart. They do that, right? One of the things that I've always wanted to do is try to maybe see if there's enough research to write a paper correlating the amount of time that people take off and the dates that they take off for illness against when a video game comes out, like a really big major video game. Mm. So obviously when I first thought of this, this was 2003 and the gaming community wasn't as big as it is now. True. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to try and compare them and I would love to find out how many people take time off during the release for massive games like the remake of Final Fantasy VII, like maybe, I mean, it might not be massive to you or I, but when a new Call of Duty comes out mm-hmm. or when a new FIFA game comes out to figure out how many people are taking the time off work and how many copies are sold and see if there's enough information to infer a connection. But that's just me being nerdy. I mean, Spooky takes time off for certain games when they're really sound. I know he took time off for when Sekiro dropped. You know, which is fair enough. I personally think it's one of those things where, because I know some people will say, oh, you shouldn't take time off work for a video game. And it's like, well, when, when else should you take time off work? Taking time off work is an opportunity for you to relax and recharge right? Mm -hmm. Why not take it off for a video game release? Because that's exactly what you're doing. You're relaxing and recharging. doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how you spend that time off. Exactly. I think it would still be interesting to do that, though. I I also just like to point out that um, statisize sounds like a Zumba class for accountants. (laughs) 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 If we go to the pub now, I'm going to go statisize. Don't mind me. (laughs) Or some kind of euphemism. Um, Anyway. You're the one that said that, not me. Exactly. But going with the idea of taking time off to play a video game, right? We've all done it. Um, mm-hmm. And Chief talks about doing it as well. Uh, Chief has said in the past that he's taken time off work. And then when he's gone back to work, people have said, oh, what did you do with time off? And he's like, well, I just chilled out. I went to see my friends down the pub, played a little video game, maybe went and played football or something. But that was about it. I relaxed. I do the things that I like to do to relax. Mm-hmm. And they all call him weird because he doesn't go fly somewhere to go sit in the sun. And like you said, Lily, it's whatever makes you happy, whatever allows mm-hmm. you to recharge your batteries. If flying to warmer climbs and chilling out in the sun is what you do to, to chill out, then more power to you. If mm-hmm. sitting inside of a dank room with no lights on, staring at a screen, swearing at it because you can't beat that final f-ing boss, then more power to you. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is that helps you to recharge and, and, and chill out. So like... um. 
this will give away when we're recording it, but I tweeted out yesterday that, so one of the things that I do is I've got a distribution of Linux installed on my computer. So I don't run Windows and that's a choice based on the work that I do. Yeah. And I found out that I could in, I could reinstall the operating system on my computer, removing um, uh, Ubuntu, which is the distribution of Linux I was using, and put on a distribution called Pop OS. And when I installed that, I found that um, Steam Proton, which is the the stuff that the boffins at Steam have, and, and Valve, I guess, have done to make it so that you can play Windows AAA titles on non-Windows operating systems. And I, I went, you know what? I've always wanted to play Resident Evil Revelations 2 because I tried it at Squidgy's house the other day on his Switch. And I, I thought, you know what? You know, It's a fair chunk of money if the experiment doesn't work, but I do have a Windows machine. So I bought it and installed it, and I spent six hours yesterday playing it (laughs) because you know it's loads of fun but like that's what i do to chill out and that's one of the things that if you whatever it is that you do chill out just do it to chill out Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks back i wrote a blog post for the the company that i work for all about finding the time to relax and you know at no point during that blog post did i say go fly off to warmer climbs and experience the world at no point did i say sit in your basement and play video games all i said was whatever it is that you do to chill out go do it because that's mm-hmm. the important thing regardless of the type of work that you do if it's a physical job if it's a media content creation if it's a thought process job whatever it is you are going to be tired by doing it so go find the time to just go and chill out you know yeah and definitely i agree if taking time off to play video games is what you do then do it you know you gotta chill whatever it is yeah 100 percent agree with you there mm. yeah so you know i can never get behind when people say oh well you didn't go and you didn't do this on your vacation i'm like i don't care yeah, I don't like people that do that. It's like, just because you enjoy doing it doesn't mean I do. We're all different. We all have different interests. You know, you happen to like going to these countries and being in warmer climates and, you know, either sitting by the beach and getting a tan or just exploring said country. That's fine. That's what you enjoy. I personally don't. I'm a homebody, personally. I like being at home, surrounded by familiar things. So, you know, that to me is perfect. It's just, you know, comfy pants, video game. Good. <laughs> That's an episode title, comfy pants, colon, video game. <laughs> Again, no colon, video gaming. How many times? All right, comfy pants, semicolon, video game. Yeah, seriously. Is that a sub speciality, is it? That's it, semicolon. It's only half of one. Anyway. <laughs> Yes, so it's half a colon game. You've got to buy the rest of the game that's already on the disc as DLC. So the other thing that came out post E3, which is something that we definitely talked about, was we hypothesized that FF7 Remake was going to be episodic. And we were talking about this off air before we started recording. Essentially, it is. It's going to be episodic. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it was Lulu who dropped the, the bomb on us both, Squidge, that um, FF7 uh, as a released product is going to be episode one and it's going to be essentially Midgar and it's going to be split across two Blu-rays. Like how huge is that whole universe going to be if just the first... So like if you imagine in the original game, right, it's a good chunk of the first disc, but in the original game, Midgar isn't just disc one. 
Mm-hmm. It's there's Midgar and a whole bunch of stuff afterwards that's disc one. So like how much of that game is just those first and I mean they're gonna have to charge a lot for it if it's across two discs. So it's gonna have to have a good chunk of content. So it's gonna have more content than original. So you've got to like you can't release a triple A title that's across multiple discs for a modern console and not charge forty pounds, sixty dollars. Mm. So if you're gonna do that, then how much how much content is there going to be in that first episode? Well, from what I've been hearing, it's not just um, obviously they've got the story, you know, the the main scenario, shall we call it, where you can play that straight through, and they're claiming that that's going to be thirty plus hours, which is pretty impressive. But then you've also got you know side quests, which I personally enjoy side quests because. In games like that, it can add to the lore of the world that you're playing in and it can really help with your immersion because you'll find out... I mean, especially in something like FF7, you'll find um, with Midgar, you'll find people that are uniquely oppressed by the environment that they're living in because anybody who's played Final Fantasy VII will know that you start off in the sectors you're underneath the main plate so these are people that don't earn a lot of money they can't afford to live on the upper plates where it's you know there's nicer homes better job opportunities so i i think it's going to be interesting to come across these npcs that are telling you how they're surviving in their respective sector and it's just going to add to the story in the long run because again starting ff7 all you know is that cloud's been hired by avalanche to try and bring down the man and yeah that's i think that's really going to add to it i think perhaps rather than jumping straight into the i mean if i was doing it Mm. the bombing mission at the beginning of the game is kind of cool it's really kind of get like you start the game up you get through the menu, you hit start, you get the intro sequence, and then you're straight into a battle. It's like action, action, action. But for me, it would be good to like maybe do that bit and then rewind a little bit and go two days earlier and just sort of experience a little bit of story of, I know it's kind of covered later in the game. I'm not going to cover this part with spoilers because if you haven't played it or if you haven't read read about it by this point and they're making a big hoo-ha about it, then, you know, maybe you should pause it and go read the Wikipedia article or something. Yeah. But essentially, they do go back to parts of Cloud's story throughout the game to sort of figure out that mystery, but maybe how he got to, like, how Avalanche found him and how he, maybe how he presented himself to Avalanche, that would be kind of cool to find out. So I thought in the main story, um, the, um, the the inclusion of, or well, not the inclusion of, but the... The time between, again, this is spoiler alert, but the time between Cloud getting into Midgar after Zack saves him and joining up with Avalanche was like a couple of weeks. Yeah, it was. I think people have theorised that at most it was between three and six months. At most. But again, I, I'm one of these people that thinks that probably about four to six weeks for him because like you know you've got to remember he was he's he's effectively a junkie at the start of the game and what i mean by that is that he's you know to anyone who's played it they'll know that he spent like i think it was about three four years in a mako tube 
being fed Mako constantly. Mm. So yeah, in in the FF seven realm, he is effectively a junkie. He's coming he's coming out of it. He's in withdrawal. So that explains his behaviour of why he was so I think is the best way to put it. So, you know, four to six weeks of him just sort of like he's been emaciated, he's not been fed, he's having withdrawals, you know, so with that, you know, putting it in real world terms, you know, he's probably had night sweats, tremors, hallucinations, you name it, he's not been very well. Mm. So from him leaving Zach and going to Midgar, I think about four to six weeks is reasonable. And if I remember rightly, um, again, in a li- it's later on in the game, they do a flashback where Tifa finds him at the train station. And again, he's not in a good way. He's kind of murmuring to himself. He's twitching. Again, he's a junkie withdrawing. Mm. And that's when she's like, yeah, come with us. You know, we'll give you a job that works for him it gives him a focus but yeah again i agree it'll be interesting because they're clearly adding more to it mm. and it'll be interesting to see if they're going to try and follow that same idea of how he was found or if it was avalanche as a whole that found him or he found avalanche so like if you just if you just wandered into the bar after going to the train station, he just like fell in the bar and then Tifa recognised him, kind of thing. Mm. Do you know what? They could do both. They could have a, a what's called an unreliable narrator, which is where, so obviously Cloud is the protagonist of the story, so Cloud's telling the story, right? Yeah. So his version of events are going to be different to what everyone else uh, sees because that's how we experience life. So you could have Cloud just sort of, like getting off the train, meeting up with Tifa, walking into the bar and going, yep, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And then later on in the the, the the game, when you meet up with the other characters and Tifa maybe could say something like, I'm really worried about Cloud. He hasn't been the same since we brought him back and got him out of that funk he was in by giving him the job at the bar. And, you know, and since he sort of got on Barrett's good side and I was able to convince him that Barrett should bring him on this mission. You know, and then you sort of go back and see it again. Obviously, throughout the majority of episode seven, especially when you on your first playthrough, you believe that Tifa knows Cloud's history, that he was mm. um, you know, in first class, he's an ex soldier, so on and so forth, and then it's later on in the whole live stream thing that she actually goes, Yeah, about that. Um, no you weren't, and I just never said anything which I know a lot of people will refer back to his Tifa being a bad character or a bad female support for doing that. And I personally think she was a better female support mm. for being strong enough to kind of carry him through that because she could clearly see something was wrong, but she didn't want to shatter whatever sort of persona he'd built for himself. You know, it, it, I could go into this and it'll take a while, but regardless of that, she knew he never made it to soldier even at the start of the game she's like yeah no we need this guy he's really good he's highly trained he was in soldier and first class come on i quite like that so it'll be interesting to see if they have tifa sort of early on maybe making little slip-ups because you're gonna you see from my point of view that's the 
behavior of a good friend. You mm. know, I'm not going to say to these people that you don't know any of your character flaws. I'm going to big you up because, yeah. you know, you want me to make you sound good to all of these people because you want this job. Mm. And then maybe later on, I'll come back to you in person and say, you know, maybe what you have experienced isn't really what happened. I mean, it's quite obvious she knows he's not well. Like I say, it depends on how they're going to do it in the remake of how he comes into the employment of Avalanche. But if they keep it with the original where she finds him, again, pretty much drooling on himself at the train station, then it's like she just wants to keep him close to look after him. And getting him a job with Avalanche is the best way to do that. See, the other thing that I would love for them to sort of touch on is... Again, we're not going to put a spoiler alert in this, but mm. you know, the end of that first bombing mission, they take out the maker reactor and the plate slips. And mm. uh, it's the second one, isn't it? Where the plate slips and crushes everyone. They just kind of go, yeah, it's crushed loads of people move on. But there's a, you know, there's a flicker of a TV thing, but I would love to see like, it's something that hits you in the feels like not, not seeing them being crushed, but like it would then cut to like a little girl playing in the field and or something, or a bunch of kids playing in a field, not a field, but because there aren't any fields in Midgar, but you know what I mean? Something like that. And then all of a sudden parents come running up, John, 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 come here, come here, splat. You know what I mean? that A big emotional. So, something a bit more visceral, I think is the, yeah. what you're looking for. Um, we're not saying like blood gore graphic, but something that's, no. You know, it's not cutaways as in, you know, oh, we're just watching it from... Because originally it was from uh, the president's point of view. He was yeah. up in his in his ivory tower, as it were, watching mm-hmm. the plate fall. And there is a disconnect because you're not seeing people running for their lives. Yeah, and I think, I think as a group, Avalanche never really deal with it. They just kind of go, whoops, a whole bunch of people died, and it's our fault. But hey, let's just go for on an adventure outside of Midgar. Well, actually, in the original game, when that happens, when you like swing away and then it goes to, you see the rubble, Barrett's going ballistic. Because of Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse. Biggs, Wedge, Jesse. Um, is it Marlene? I can never remember. Is it Marlene? Marlene, yeah. He's going absolutely ballistic because he says big wedge. He says all his friends and then the people of the plate, they're all gone. And he's going absolutely bash crazy and TV's trying to calm him down. Mm. Oh, definitely. But that's the only time it ever comes up. They don't deal with it afterwards. They just go, well, we squished a bunch of people. Let's get, you know, jump in a car or let's just run out of the city, go find this airship and just carry on our adventure. No, they do talk about it again in Cosmo Canyon. They do talk about it. It's not mentioned on a really regular basis, but in the conversations through the game, it does pop up, and it, mm. is, it is weighing on the mind. Yeah. You can tell it, it really did a number on them. But again, it would be nice if there was more of um An impact. Yeah, definitely, because it's like after that bit, that's when they storm Shinra HQ. Yeah, because if, if, if I remember correctly, the, the strut that they're going up, um, it's Shinri agents that are going to blow it up, if I remember correctly, because that's where you fight Turks. Uh, yeah, that's where you fight the Turks. So mm-hmm. it's un- under under you know the Shinra president's orders. He's going to flatten one of the sectors so he can redo it because he doesn't have a plan to redo Midgar. I think the idea is he wants to flatten it and then blame it on Avalanche and sort uh, yeah, of use a media it. campaign to yeah, turn and then opinion against and them. then Shinra swoops in and goes, oh, we'll rebuild, we'll make it better, trust mm. in Shinra, we're brilliant, ignore mm. Avalanche, they're the bad guys, that's mm-hmm. what they're trying to do. 
Mm. They're trying to, you know, it's a media and a political move. Do you know what? I would love to see um, the people of Midgar sort of like turn on Avalanche. Like the first one, yay, it's brilliant. Avalanche have got, you know, the first mission they go on, brilliant. They've taken out this reactor. Yes, it's hurt us, but it's going to hurt the elite better. It's going to help the elite more. And then all of a sudden, voila, oh my goodness, what have Avalanche done? They've killed yeah. a bunch of people. How could they? How does this further their goal? I think that would be an interesting thing to cover. Yeah, just like even randomly, like, again, going to use 15 as an example because clearly 15 is like that was their testing ground, should we say. Mm. But you walk past NPCs in 15 and you can hear them talking. You don't have to click to, you know, interact with them. There are some that, yes, you do need to click to interact with. But if you're just walking through, say, Lestalem, for example, which is one of the cities, you'll hear people talking about current events. And it'd be nice if you could do that if you're walking through one of the sectors and, you know, there's just a group of people like maybe shopping or something like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, did you see on the news that Avalanche brought down a reactor? Mm. What do you think? And then, you know, it's just like a you can, as a player, you can opt to either keep walking and let it just be part of background noise. Or if you're like me and enjoy stuff like that, you know, stop and listen and hear their opinion. And then after the plate falls, it's like, again, you can walk past a similar group of people and be like, so the, the news is saying that it's, avalanche's fault oh yeah i can't believe i was backing them sort of thing that'd be great to, to a point where even um you know you hear people saying you know avalanche did this and that they're obviously being led by the news and even mm. to a point where certain places including certain people you talk to shops inns when you try to go in the slam the door in your face yeah that'd be pretty cool as like a mm. as um a very emotional reaction to what just happened mm. Mm. It can be done in so many different ways. It really can. Mm. But I would be just happy if they at least have like random NPCs dotted about that just acknowledge it and you can see the shift or rather hear the shift. It's like, yeah, on the news they were saying it was Avalanche. Oh, I shouldn't have, you know, I should have always trusted in Shinra. They've always looked after us really in a way. So, yeah. Uh, oh, and they're going to rebuild the sector and make it better. Well, you know, obviously Shinra's not that bad. Maybe I got it wrong. It would be nice to hear that. It would be. Because obviously, you know, again, the original game was released in 1997. They were limited with what they could do. Yeah. Even like just walking past TVs and seeing the shift on how the news is being reported. Because you can guarantee that Shinra's the kind of company that they control the media. Mm. but then you'd have that one station that's like a almost like a vigilante station that's reporting the real news you see so i i I thought just then when you were talking about it in the original when the plate comes down it's sort of there is a bit that shows you someone who's presumably delivering the news Mm. and then the screen goes all like they could have something like that and then in those news reports, they could keep that footage rolling in the background, yeah. mm. you know, in the way that, you know, modern sort of media campaigns would. Yeah, there's a lot they can do. I know a lot of people are upset about it being episodic, and I can understand why. But at the same time, for it being episodic, it means that we get to really deep dive into Midgar and the mentality of the people that live there. Because Midgar in itself 
it's like its own contained bubble. Yeah. People don't generally leave Midgar unless you work for Shinra and you're deployed to other areas of the world. If you're just a regular person living there, you never leave. So it is like its own contained world. So they don't know what's going on outside. It's, it's almost like, in a strange way, like living in the same town your whole life and never watching the news outside your local area. Yeah. You have no comprehension of how other towns and cities work. It's the quintessential, the idea behind how, say, Ankh-Morpork in the Discworld works. It, it's a big machine and everyone sort of is a cog in that machine. And yeah. you're seen as weird if you go out of the city and you're always told Johnny Foreigner is a bad person and you, you shouldn't really listen to them. And, you know, that's why, you know, and, and I think it's the first two books when they start getting tourists and it's seen as a really weird thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Totally. I can understand that. But yeah, that's how I envisage um, Midgar is that it is its own sort of contained bubble that people live in. For a lot of people that live there, especially those that live under the plates and in the sectors, that's it for them. They have no comprehension of what life could... I mean, it's even said in the original game that Eris has... uh, Yes, Eris, not Aerith. (laughs) Eris, sorry guys, has said that she has never seen the sky. Yeah. That's quite a... I remember um, when I first... I mean, again, I was 11 years old. And I remember thinking, how can you have never seen the sky? Yeah. And now I'm older, the impact is so much different. It's like you've never seen the sky, meaning all you've ever seen when you've looked up is the plate and the lights in the Mm. plates. They have been your stars. That's quite sad. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But another thing about FF7, I'm in the most PG way possible, we have to discuss Tifa's breasts. Yes. Yes. <sighs> Hopefully, we're going to try and not cover the, they should be bigger, they should be smaller argument, because that's not an argument that we want to cover. No. Recently, there's been a lot of reporting of, I think, a lost in translation thing that, yes. that Square Enix have brought up. They've said one thing have meant something else or maybe yeah. they've said one thing and it's come across as something else yeah. not necessarily their fault there are multiple people in multiple regions of the world speaking multiple languages from mm-hmm. different cultures all reporting on the same thing so it's totally within possibility that someone has gotten the, the wrong end of the stick as we say in yeah. the UK totally the TLDR is Tifa's had a slight redesign, as many of the characters have, but that includes costume. She now wears a little pleated leather skirt, but underneath she's wearing like um, a pair of short shorts, which I quite like. She's also wearing thigh-high socks. Again, I like it. But in the chest region. Now, I personally think this is awesome. So they said that they wanted to give her abs, which makes sense. She's a monk. She's a mm. monk class, a pugilist. Whatever you want to classify her as. She uses her fists and her feet to fight. And I was like, okay, cool. And then they went on to say that they restricted her breasts. Now, a lot of people saw the word restricted and thought resized. 
Now, I am a female. I personally don't care about breast size on characters. If they're large, fair enough. If they're small, fair enough. It makes no difference to me. But when I saw the word restricted, I sort of went, like, it was almost like a penny dropped and went, oh, so that explains the black top underneath the white one. It's a sports bra. Mm. Again, makes sense. She's a pugilist. In the most PG way possible, as a a woman with boobs, (laughs) there is nothing more annoying than when you're trying to do something physical and your breasts impeding that. Now, Again, it made sense. She's wearing a sports bra. Mm. But at the same time, I sort of looked at it and was like, but for her frame, her breasts are still on the larger side. So it's keeping true to a point to her original design, which we've all seen. You know, it's typical anime, tiny waist, huge breasts, wide hips blah 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 the usual thing but they've modernized it they've made her more realistic but they've still kept her breasts on the larger side i think personally it was more down to them not wanting to deal with jiggle physics (laughs) (laughs) awesome name for a superhero yes which is fine i mean there will still be movement in the chest department Mm. but it's not going to be as outrageous as it would have been had she had her original design which was clearly just a loose fitting white tank top i like it you see i've got i've got two points to bring up there and i think i think we can retain the pg status of it i mean we did Mm -hmm. drop a few swears earlier on but i think when it comes to this i think we can retain the pg status when we talk about this so i think the first point i want to bring up is that we've had what were we 20 years on 25 years on we've had 20 odd years of people doing fan art and mm. people getting used to the idea of Tifa has massive boobs. Yeah. And I think in the original, I, I don't want to lean on, on, on she doesn't have massive boobs, but I think like you were saying, Lulu, for her frame, they kind of fit in that aesthetic of mm. it's, you know, early nineties anime because it was, you know, originally she would have been originally designed in the early nineties, yeah. early nineties anime style of, like you said, big boobs, small hips, was small, small waist, big hips. Right. Yeah. So it the follows that aesthetic, mm. yeah. But it also it also fits in the they they kind of fit for her frame. No, I don't want to draw. I mean, she's a she's an invented character, but I don't want to mm. draw attention to the boobs while I yeah. discuss them. But essentially, they kind of they are like you said, they are on the larger size, but they still fit within the frame. But mm-hmm. if you spend twenty years looking at fan art and fan fiction, and please don't for Final Fantasy VII, you'll find that the majority of it is Tifa has a massive pair of boobs, like yeah. to the point where she can't see over them, and, you know, because that's what teenage boys apparently wonder about, and you know that's what a lot of people spend their time drawing apparently. And I think the problem with the reaction is that a lot of people have spent their time growing up with this artwork and you know we're now in our 20s 30s 40s some folks are in their 50s who first played Final Fantasy 7 and they've had that experience of 20 years of finding this artwork and finding the movies and finding the the fan art and stuff like that and realizing yeah okay maybe she does have big boobs and there's this been been this this expectation 
I think, that has been unfairly set by the fan community, by those mm. creatives in the fan community, for her to have a massive pair of boobs. Mm. And I think when they announced her and then people were saying, oh, she's had a boob reduction, I can't believe it. I mean, there's one show I listen to completely unrelated to video games when actually on a big rant about how could they, I can't believe it, this is ridiculous, they've reduced the size of her boobs. And I'm like, dude, it's a fucking video game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. Exactly. As I said, I'm I am a female, you know, and I personally couldn't give a toss about her breast size. But because it's, you know, the hot topic at the moment, you know, I admit it, I have taken a look at her original artwork versus, you know, her original CG design, then gone over to Advent Children and now. And it's like no, no, they're still on the larger side for her frame. It's just that now her proportions are more realistic. Mm. She looks like a human instead of like, you know, typical anime waifu cartoon. Yeah, she looks good to me. Obviously, as a, a trainee cookie monster guy, whatever you want to call me, this is a tangent. When I go to the gym, I wear a compression top mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, sweat gets away from you quicker. And two... It keeps everything in. Now, by this, I mean, obviously, I don't have breasts myself, shame, but I do, have a bit of, <laughs> I, I do have a bit of a gut that I don't, I'm not particularly a fan of. When I wear mm. the compression top, it keeps it compressed. It keeps it from stop yeah. wobbling about, especially when I'm running or when I'm exercising. So unless the people who were complaining about Tifa's new breast size think that she's going to use them as a weapon, Exactly. I can understand why she's wearing it. Exactly. I mean, I'm I'm a large-chested lady, and I will tell you from personal experience, even jogging is painful. Having larger breasts is painful when you want to keep fit. Jogging. Just imagine the scenario. You gave her her anime waifu-style boobs. She'd end up with black eyes and not because she's been fighting someone. It'd be from herself. I mean, I have no physical experience of it, but the way that it was explained to me is, okay, next time you're at the gym, take two five-pound weights, tie them with a bit of string, and put the string over the back of your neck. Now run backwards and forwards through the gym, and you'll feel the plates bashing against your chest. That's me hitting my chest as I do it, and that's literally what happens. If you look at her animations, she's swinging her arm, she's backflipping, she's kicking, she's running. All of these Mm -hmm. things require you, like you said, Squidge, the same thing with you. Regardless of how big or small a person's frame is, whether you have a beer gut or whether you have a bit of a tummy or whatever, if you have that constrained, it makes the exercise easier to do, which is why yeah, we have compression yeah. tops. It's why we have mm. sports bras. It's why we have things like this. You know, So it makes perfect sense to me that they would want to restrict that to make it more realistic. Now, obviously, yeah. we're talking about a video game where people use magical, mythical energy from the ground and there is an anthropomorphic talking dog. Yeah. But even so. Then again, I don't care. I'm a girl and I don't care. It's people like Sarkeesian that care. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I won't go into that. If you want to hear our opinions of Sarkeesian in the, in the SJWs, go back to the previous part mm. yep. and you'll hear all about it. Just sort off. Basically, it's a game. I'd like to talk about something that, again, Lulu brought up just before we went online, which is apparently Cloud and his facial hair. 
I love it. So Square Enix kindly released, like they have um, their promo images and they released um, extremely high quality versions of these promo images. They're just head and shoulder shots and they're beautiful. And the one of Cloud is amazing because I, you know, I went in as far as it would allow me and I could see along his jawline, like, little tu- little tufts of hair where it looks like he's shaved it's weird it's hard to describe but it you can tell that like he's shaved and you know no one's perfect you miss the odd hair here and there i've seen it don't worry boys it's fine but it's just like little things like that where there's like this ever so slightly darker than his hair color so like a like a like a mousy sort of brown dirty blonde and I love it. And like again on Tifa, you can see um, that her eyebrows aren't as well kempt as Eris's eyebrows are. And on Barrett, you can see these little moles and um, you know the pores of their skin. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. Just quickly going back to what we said earlier. Do you remember what you said about when Cloud, when he sort of the, the found him as a gibbering wreck in the train station? Mm-hmm. It would make sense that he'd have like tough, like little tufts of hair on his chin still, because if his yeah. hand is shaking, because he's he's still hopped up on the maker, or indeed if Tifa ends up shaving him, I don't know if anyone's tried to shave someone else. It's very difficult. I, I imagine it is, um, and you're gonna miss bits. Yeah, so it kind of makes sense that he would have those little tufts. Either he's he's shaking, he can't shave himself. Or if someone else trying to do it for him? Well, yeah, it makes sense. It's part of the whole, you know, because as we said before, the the, um, the cast, I reckon it was about four to six weeks between mm. Zach and him arriving in Midgar. Makes sense. He's on foot, you know, so he's going to be part of the great unwashed. And he's also going to be quite skittish as well. Yeah. So having someone who you recognize being kind you know, and gentle mm. with you and being like, hey, you know, come on, sit down. Let's let's wash your face. Oh, hey, there's somebody under there, you know, mm. and just doing basic, nice human things and saying, right, let's give you a shave and this and the other. And yeah, she's not going to be good at it because no offense, it's not her face. Mm. You know, it's like when somebody else brushes your hair, it feels weird. I mean, it's nice because somebody else is giving you attention, but it's like, but that's not how I brush my hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? As a bald man, I think that all the time. <laughs> well, in, in, in Jay's case, that's not how I polish my head. No, but uh, again, it's the same thing. Do you shave your head at home yourself or do you sometimes treat yourself and go to a salon and have somebody else do it? Oh, it's always got to be someone else doing it because I just, I mean, I can't see. Because <laughs> uh, Spooky does a little bit of both. He'll shave at home because, you know, he's bald as well. So he shaves all his head off, you know, blah, blah, blah. But every now and again, he'll be like, yeah, I'm going to go to the hairdresser and have somebody else do it. You know, a little bit of a pampering sort of thing. Hmm. But somebody else doing it is like it's weird because he's i imagine he's used to how he shaves his own head and i'm i'm sure it's the same thing with you james like oh i can feel that they missed a little bit here or i go and do this little bit here or i do something different with my sideburns anything like that you know so yeah it makes sense that tifa would miss 
the odd few hairs mm. around his jaw because I'm, you know, I imagine that's quite a difficult bit to shave because of the different angles. Mm. And you mm-hmm. know, y- your hair doesn't all grow in one direction. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, everything under the chin goes grows in every direction that possible. So yeah, I quite like that they added those little details in. Like I say, it's only just like these few little sort of like scraggles of hair here and there, but it's like, wow. Cloud shaves. This makes me happy. <laughs> I think we're at a point now with with graphics engines in video games where, especially for the for the games that where the action is so quick, you're never going to notice these things. So I mm. think taking some time now to appreciate it is good because in game you're never going to spot that. I mean, mm. you said yourself, Lulu, you had to zoom in on the publicity photos to, mm-hmm. to find these things. So you're never going to spot that in the game unless no. they draw attention to it. Like maybe they're walking down the street and Barrett goes, you missed a bit. Yeah, apparently they do have some really good banter between them. Again, you know, I've always said that 15 was a bit of a testing ground for them. So if you play Final Fantasy 15, you'll know that the boys, when you're running through locations, will talk amongst themselves it's banter cloud and barrett do the same thing um so i've been told from a very reliable source um a chap on youtube called maximilian dude he was invited personally to come to a behind closed doors sort of like viewing of more of what was shown on the e3 floor and, you know, he reported everything he saw and heard. And, you know, he said that there's a lot of banter between Cloud and Barrett and they are very organic. He'll say something earlier on because there's this definite distrust between the two of them, mainly from Barrett's side, because he's like, well, you used to work from Shinra. Why are we trusting you again? Kind mm. of thing, which makes sense to me. Like you were saying, I wouldn't be surprised if Final Fantasy VII Remake goes to Final Fantasy XV in the same way that Resident Evil 2 Remake goes to Resident Evil 7. In that Resident Evil 7 was the testing ground for the new engine for Resident Evil 2, mm-hmm. and the Final Fantasy XV is the new test. It was the testing ground for the engine that now powers Final Fantasy XV. I would not be surprised if that was the case. You know what's funny though? The engine that powered 15 isn't powering 7. <laughs> Oh, okay. Fair enough. Because <laughs> they couldn't get their own engine to work, basically. <laughs> but the Luminous engine has not been completely scrapped. It powers 14 in the sense that, obviously being an MMO, there's a limit to how many playable characters can load into one area at once. Because of the power of the Luminous engine, we can have more. Yeah. That's what it's there for now. So this is the thing with Square Enix. Bless their hearts. They they try their best to build their own engines and then they can't use them because they don't know how they work properly. Last I heard, FF7's being done on the Unreal Engine, which is fine. I don't care because let's be honest, the Unreal Engine works. Mm. People know how to use it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Square Enix, stop making your own bloody engines. <laughs> and you know what? That kind of fits with how they've announced that they're releasing it on essentially everything going. Yeah. We talked about last time about how potentially it could be a PS5 release title, and Sony still haven't had their event yet. 
No. As far as I can tell. So it could still be that it gets a that it sees a release on the PS five when they announce that anyway. Yeah. So it would be it would be interesting to to see what happens with that. Yeah. Because yeah, they re- did you know the Switch? They're releasing it on the Switch, just like everything else. Everything is getting released on the Switch. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Ah. Which they had trouble doing with Final Fantasy fifteen because of the Luminous engine. If you go and play it now, you you can see that they struggled with it. I mean, the sorry for spoilers. Um, just popping this in, you fight Leviathan at one point, and um, how they originally wanted it was to be more action-y, more involved, more chaotic, because it's Leviathan and you're effectively fighting her in um, in like a whirlpool. But they had to scrap it all because they couldn't get it to work because of the engine and then redo the fight from the ground up. So as much as graphically it was beautiful, they just don't know what they're doing. And... They haven't got the staff that are trained to do this sort of thing. Like, I personally don't know how engines work. I, I don't claim to be an expert. I just know that the Unreal Engine is one that a lot of people know how to program with. And as far as I'm aware, Square Enix don't have the staff with the capabilities of building an engine and then knowing how to program for it. The difference I would give as a developer is... It's the equivalent of all cars work the same. From a user perspective, you push on the accelerator and it goes. Yeah. Whereas, let's stay with that same metaphor. If you want to make a custom video game engine, right, Mm. to be able to power the stuff that happens in your game, for some reason, for your specific video game example, perhaps an accelerator pedal is not the correct way to do it. Maybe a button on the dashboard. And that's essentially it, you know. Um, there's a standard set of stuff that the Unreal Engine does, and it has cross-platform capability, and it's built built from the ground up to be cross-platform. Like, you push mm-hmm. a button, and it will create a PlayStation 4 version of the game. You push a button, and it will create an Xbox 360 version of the game. You push a button, you get the PC version. Or you could push a button, and it produces all of them. And mm. that's the biggest selling point for the Unreal Engine is it takes all of that, we call it ceremony in the development business, it takes all that ceremony away from how do I get from the code we have to a disc someone could put into the PS4 and play yeah. the game. Hell of a lot less faff. That's yeah. it. We also use the word faff because that's a technical term. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, um, like I say, I, I don't know why they just didn't stick with the Unreal Engine. I get it. You know, they wanted to do something new, but they've tried this before. Looking at you, Final Fantasy Thirteen, because <laughs> uh, that was the start of the Luminous Engine. They called it the Light Engine, and then it became the Luminous Engine. And Thirteen suffered as a result of the Light Engine. If all they, they managed to get out of the Luminous Engine is being able to have it on 14 to support loading in more playable characters on your screen, I'm fine with that because playing an MMO, seeing so many people at once is awesome. Because hmm. it's just like, yay, we're all going on an adventure. Watch mm-hmm. watch the servers crash on Friday. <laughs> It'd be the only time I'm on Twitter is when something comes up. is like, no! <laughs> but yeah no i'm i'm fine with it being on the unreal engine it works everyone knows how to use it
So we've talked a lot about Final Fantasy VII Remake so far, mm-hmm. but what I'd love to talk about, uh, Lulu, is you brought this up um, offline before we before we started recording, is uh, Final Fantasy XIV Dad of Light, or Father <gasps> of Light, or whatever it's called, and how um, you should go watch it, essentially. Oh my god. If you've never played Final Fantasy XIV, it's a great way of seeing the game from a player's perspective but also the reason that it came to be is a player in japan had um i don't know the full story but this is what i heard and have read extensively um is that there was a player in japan who was who had a very strained relationship with his father who was a, a businessman you know how it is in japan if you've got any sort of idea of Japanese culture especially within families that's the norm and he blogged about how he started playing Final Fantasy 14 and then something happened with his dad's job I think he retired or something I can't remember exactly Um, I know some creative licenses were taken in the show but regardless the son bought his father Final Fantasy 14 because they used to play the early ones when he was a kid and he reconnected with his dad on the game and the like the the drama that they made in japan is called daddy of light in japan over here it's known as father of light and it's a dramatization of um this blog basically so there's some creative licenses taken but it is just wholly heartwarming like i found myself like as a player when they're talking about like doing certain missions and what their goal is which is to beat twintania which was when this person was writing the blog was the hardest boss in the game at the time which is funny looking back on it nearly like nearly two three expansions later that it's like oh it's not anymore but oh Hmm. you know there's a lot of nostalgia there for current players but yeah even just like the 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 interactions between him and his father in game was just so heartwarming i was i i smiled all the way through it and i absolutely loved it so it was on netflix in the uk i think it still is but don't quote me on that i'm sure there will be plenty of places to find it other than netflix but there's an option but they are doing a movie as well and currently it's only going to be in japan but square enix are hoping to get a western release but keep an eye out for it and just go watch it it's so good and if it doesn't make you want to play final fantasy 14 after that i don't know what will (laughs) how many times are you going to try and convince me and jay to get on final fantasy 14 i mean seriously you try i mean i really am i mean i really am i really am spooky's come back he's loving it he's um in the stormblood expansion now which is the current one up until friday and he's slowly plugging his way through it so that he can come and join me in Shadowbringers, and we can do all the raiding and all the good stuff okay okay i'll, I'll say this right i'll just ask you a quick question what you're playing it on me i'm playing it on ps4 right I won't make any promises, but I'll look into it. So what we'll do is we'll get Squidge to watch Final Fantasy XIV, Daddy of Light, and then that'll convince him, right? Should do. <coughs> there we go, then. That's it. You and me, Squidge. Let's binge this. I did have a quick look on Netflix. Dad of Light is on Netflix still. Ah, right, well, there you go, then. So, so folks should definitely watch that before they listen to the next episode, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
What do you think, Squidge? You going to watch it? I may do. I think you'll enjoy it regardless of the 14 aspect, just because it is such a lovely, wholesome story. You know, the characters are all very... They're characters that you just fall in love with. Yeah. You know, you can really get on with them, and there's some really funny scenarios in it. Uh, like I said, there are some creative licenses that are taken away from the original blog. I'll have to try and find the original blog at some point and see if anyone's translated it. But um, it's just really good. And there's some bits that are going to make you cringe, which isn't always a bad thing. Parts that are going to make you want to cry and you'll be laughing a lot because I was. <laughs> it's really well done. I'll say this about Japanese dramas. They tend to get the hit you in the feels bits right. Oh yeah. As someone who watches a lot of Japanese drama, yeah, they get the the hit you in the feels bit perfectly right. Mm-hmm. There's one show. I mean, I could talk for days about some of the Japanese TV shows I've watched over the years, but there's one show that uh, it's called Shiroi Haru, and mm-hmm. that show had me in tears for like days afterwards when I would think about it. I was like, no, this, no, this is not fair. You shouldn't be making me cry this much. This is not fair. Stop it. Mm. When they get it right, I suppose it's like with any TV show, when they get it right, they get it right. And it yeah. like physically affects you. It's brilliant. So yeah, I highly recommend that. <laughs> and um, I'm someone that doesn't watch J-dramas, shall we say. I know a lot of my friends watch like K-dramas. They're very much into that. I haven't ventured into it myself because it's like i've i've got enough shows to keep on top of at the moment <laughs> i'm waiting for stuff to finish before I, I like game of thrones is finished now so that's opened up one slot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> orange is the new black fi- finishes this year so that'll open another slot <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many things I can watch. (laughs) (laughs) What? I mean, there's one that I watch that I literally, I have to be emotionally prepared for. I don't know whether any of your listeners have ever heard of it, but if they have, I imagine they'll be sat sat there going, oh yeah, yeah. mm." Um, It's an American program called This Is Us and pause for everyone to sit there to go "Mm, yeah know exactly what she's talking about every episode emotionally destroys me (laughs) it's like seriously like it's a it's a family sort of thing and it's like everything bad that could happen to a family or emotionally like some sort of emotional turmoil that can happen to a family happens in this show and i am hooked (laughs) But I have to be ready for the tears before I watch it. In that case, Shirai Haru is only six episodes, but I would recommend, I, I know for a fact it would, it, it, Squidgy, don't watch it. Um, <laughs> and, and Lulu, I would say you would need to be in the right place to watch this show. It is a proper roller coaster. I could talk to you about it off the pod um, mm. if you like, but it is a proper like you know squid you know how you said you give up on the last of us because it hit you in the feels oh yeah yeah well this waits until the last possible second to hit you in the feels and it hits you hard like it feels like the building you are in has just collapsed on you it completely destroys you but then you're like i really enjoyed that 
you know, it's it's a it's a fun journey. I would recommend between your tears. I really enjoyed that. Oh, then why are you crying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a cathartic journey. But yeah, um, afterwards you're like, wow, yeah. You take a big deep breath and a big sigh, and I don't care that listeners are going to be going. But Jay, you cry. Ah, everybody cries, dude. Get over it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once you get past that, it is so good. Definitely. If you could track it down, Lulu, I would recommend it. It's only six episodes, so it's quite short. And I do have it with subtitles if you want to borrow it or whatever. I know I'm due a rewatch of one of my favorite animes. I can't pronounce the full Japanese name. It's been abbreviated to Uroboku. I will have to send it to you, Jay, so that you can pronounce it for me. Okay. But um, yeah, it's in the English translation is uh, The Betrayal Knows My Name. And I'm... I found it randomly on Tumblr. I know, don't don't judge. And it was just a gift set. And I remember looking at the art style and just falling in love with the art style because with me and animes, it's the art style is what really grabs me initially. Mm. So I looked it up and I watched the first episode. And within the first 10 minutes, I was crying. There was legitimate tears of me going, oh, oh, God, I'm in love with these characters already. This is good. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I want to rewatch the series because the manga has just come to an end. And I've got the final volume, and I'm going to sit down one afternoon and read it all. But I'm emotionally preparing myself because, one, it's one of those feelsy kind of stories. But at the same time, this is I've been on this journey with this story since I think about 2010 2011 so it's been a good few years and it's kind of like again if your listeners have watched Game of Thrones it's that whole thing of it's over you know I mean I watched it and it is it's weird like what do you do after it's ended sort of thing and that's what I'm having to deal with with Uroboku is it's coming to an end and I'm gonna see it and I'm I'm not quite ready to sit and read it all yet (laughs) (laughs) I guess uh, we should probably leave it there then, um, since we've segued into anime and TV shows. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we've all got stuff to do this afternoon. It is a wonderful day outside, and I'm going to go spend some time outside. I spent all day yesterday, or rather, as I put in a tweet earlier on today, I may have spent all day yesterday playing Resident Evil Revelations 2. You totally did. And I'm still hundreds of hours away from even getting anywhere near Squidgy's current current record. <laughs> well, the weather's not as good down here today, so I think I'll be playing either 14 or The Sims 4. <laughs> Torturing those Sims again. Look, don't judge me and my Sims, okay? I'm currently attached to them, and there's a couple in my household that are old, and any day now they're going to die, and I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> <laughs> And so is the rest of the household. <laughs> Maybe that should be the next big drama. Based on a simulation game, they build up a community of people, and when one character dies, it actually affects them in real life. I don't know. Could do. Anyway, yes. So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna. We're, if I keep this up, we're gonna end up talking all afternoon, and you know we've all got stuff to do. So yeah, we're we better all grown up. Soon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean. Aside from Squidge. Yeah, just because I'm a, you know, a trainee cookie monster, sort of. Aww. <laughs> Not fully fledged yet. So. Of course. Right, so uh, 
We'll leave it at that then. Um, thank you ever so much for coming back on the show, Lily. It has been amazing to talk to you, as it always is. Uh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. We'll have to do a catch-up in a couple of months just to see what else gets released um, about Final Fantasy Fifteen in the interim and see what happens. Fifteen? Sorry, not fifteen. I meant to say seven. That's <gasps> how tired I am from playing Resident Evil 2 Revelations all day yesterday. Lightweight. I'm getting my numbers all mixed up. That's right, I am a lightweight. You've got to remember, right? Up until yesterday, I was mainly pick up and play on emulators. I now have a main line to, you know, PC games that shouldn't run on this machine because the operating system is so different. I am literally blown away by how wonderful this software works. Like you go into Steam, you go start the beta, you, you let it restart, and then it, then you go back into the options and go enable Proton and let it restart because it needs to download some stuff. And then when it comes back up, you go, right, I'm going to play that. You then spend five years waiting for the game to download because you've got a really crap internet connection like I do. Legit, I left the computer on all night on Friday evening just to download Resident Evil uh, 2 Revelations. That's to leave it on overnight for it to download the 14 gigabytes of game data. And it all works flawlessly. The only problem I'm having is it doesn't play the FMVs, so the pre-rendered videos, but that's fine because they're all pro tip. The Windows version of Resident Evil 2 Revelations uses the Windows Media Video Codec Library, which isn't supported on Linux. I mean, it is. I just have to install a library, but I can't be bothered because all I'm doing is playing Raid Mode. <laughs> but yeah, definitely keep an eye on my Twitter from this Friday onwards because I'm going to be randomly screaming my way through Shadowbringers and begging people to like come help and save me because I'm drowning in the fields. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great thing is that this episode is going to drop on that Friday. So <gasps> whilst you're listening, head over to Twitter and check out what Lulu is talking about. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a bit of a ride and it'll make no sense to you. But just understand that every time I'm sending a tweet, I'm probably happy crying. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Right then. Well, uh, we'll leave it at that, I guess. Any parting thoughts, Squidge? Not really. Any parting thoughts, Lulu? Um, no, just literally my mind is uh, screaming at me to throw wide open the gates for Shadowbringers. Well, when you're done listening to this episode, or whilst you're listening to it, if you're listening on a mobile device, read through the show notes to get the direct link to Lulu on Twitter and go see what she's talking about and see what's going on in Final Fantasy XV land. And I will be streaming. Oh, well, there you go. And maybe go and go and catch Lulu on her stream and watch her play the latest update for Final Fantasy XV. Fourteen. Whilst, maybe not whilst you're listening to the episode, because that could cause you an issue, but uh, definitely check that out. Mm. And definitely check out the show notes and... Uh, Give those a bit of a click and a read through because we've had recently had some artwork done and I'm really proud of it considering um, mm-hmm. Squidgy and I sent out, sent over. I mean, you've seen the original version that we sent over, haven't you, Lily? It's very sparse. Mm-hmm. We sent over this basic idea it, it, and a couple it of was words. beautiful. It is gorgeous, isn't it? The, the new version is gorgeous. The, the old version, not so much. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Oh, cheers. It's brilliant. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I, I liked drew it. the original one as well. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, definitely props to the artist. Definitely. That's uh, Yuri Keynes on Twitter. So definitely check out the show notes to get a link to the uh, Twitter account for the artist who worked on the the episode artwork because it is amazing. Well, in that case then, uh, I guess all that remains to say is thanks for coming on, uh, Lulu. And Squidge, it's always a mm-hmm. pleasure to talk to you, even when we're talking in person and that. <laughs> um, and definitely... <laughs> 
yeah, that that didn't feel like an insult when I was about to say it, but then I said it out loud and was like, that's an insult, Jay. What are you doing? <laughs> wow. Dead silence for a month. Just not going to Wow. <laughs> you know how you were going to come over next week, Jay? I wouldn't bother. <laughs> I've changed a lot. <laughs> uh, Owen Wilson voice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That was savage. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks, and uh, definitely check out the website. If you're any way inclined, give us a review on your podcatcher of choice as well. That could help other folks to find the show. We'll catch you again another time. See you later, Squidge. See you later, Squidge. Bye. See you later, Lolo. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>